Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting, and also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 123, Early Season Turkey Hunting Strategies with Ernie Calandrelli. And I am your host and the guy who got confirmation a couple of days ago about scoring on the 500 acres of additional turkey hunting property for this spring. So I am obviously really excited about that. While I was looking at that piece of property Sunday, there was a huge turkey track walking up one of the roads to one of the food plots. I mean, this gobbler track had to be the size of my hand. It was huge. So hopefully I'll get to meet that turkey sometime soon and bring him home for dinner. Also this past week, I got to watch the Deontay Wilder boxing match Saturday night in some awesome seats that my stepson scored for us. We were about 10 rows back from ringside, and to be that close to watch a boxing match is incredible. Just seeing the sweat flying off those guys when they're hitting each other, hearing the sound of the gloves when they make contact was incredible. And I got to meet Larry Holmes and Ernie Shavers as well, which is pretty cool. So it was a good weekend for me, and You know, this week I've been busy lining up interviews with a lot of the people that I ran into at the NWTF convention a couple of weeks ago. You know, I've got to get the pipeline of shows filled up because these turkey hunters get a little bit hard to find when they get camoed up for turkey season. And a good bit of the country is about to start up here soon. So it's going to be harder and harder to find guests to come on the show to talk about turkey hunting when they are turkey hunting. But I can tell you that we've got some great shows coming up for you guys, and I am stoked about that. I'm also stoked about the fact that we are 13 days, 13 days, 9 hours, 34 minutes, and 7 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So I've got a really good show Coming up for you guys today is I've got Ernie Calandrelli with us to talk about early spring turkey hunting strategies. But before I get to the interview with Ernie, there's something that I like to do in these episodes, and I just haven't done it lately for really no other reason than I haven't had a whole heck of a lot of time to do it. But I want to cover some turkey hunting news with you guys very quickly. So first up, 
March 2nd is the deadline to apply for a spring turkey license for Montana. I know many of you won't listen to this episode prior to March the 2nd, but if you do and you plan on going to Montana, then you're going to need to go to fwp.mt.gov website right now and apply for your license. The season in Montana is going to open on 4-8-4-8-17. So you want to get out there and apply for that. Secondly, if you plan to turkey hunt in Utah this spring, permits are now available for the general turkey hunting season. I've got my permit to hunt in Utah this year, so you need to get yours, and maybe I'll see you in the mountains in Utah. Go to Google and search Utah General Turkey Season Tags, and you should get right where you need to be. Thirdly, there are 105,080 remaining spring turkey hunt permits in Wisconsin, and those are going to be available over-the-counter to hunters on March the 20th, for zone one. Now, Wisconsin has seven total zones that'll have tags coming available, and they also have the Fort McCoy area that are going to be open for hunting as well. Season starts in Wisconsin on 419 and runs through 530. Pretty lengthy season there. That's awesome. Lastly, the official numbers are out. The NWTF convention in Nashville drew a record crowd. That is another record crowd because I think they've broken the record for the past three or four years in a row, and some 52,000-plus people attended the NWTF Convention and Sports Show this year at the Opryland Resort in Nashville. As I'm walking around the show and talking to exhibitors, I always like to ask them how the show is for them. And many of the exhibitors told me that this year was their best year. So I was excited to hear that. I always like to hear of a business doing well, and especially when they make an investment to go to a show like the NWTF show. So if you missed this year's convention, then you need to go ahead and make some plans to take off work for next year's show. And there's a chance that next year's show may not be in Nashville. I actually got a survey from the NWTF asking me what my thoughts are about the show moving from Nashville to another city. So there's a chance it won't be in Nashville, and we probably won't find out for, I'd say, several months. But you still want to go ahead and be planning on taking that trip and getting some time off of work. The show is a great time, and I think anybody listening to this show would greatly enjoy it. Okay, so I've talked your ear off enough already, and I'm ready to get you to today's interview with Ernie Calandrelli. Ernie has been involved in the hunting industry for a long while, and he's a very good turkey hunter. For those of you who don't know who Ernie is, he is the Director of Public Relations and Advertising at Quaker Boy, which, as many of you know, was founded by the late, great Dick Kirby and his wife, Beverly. And the company was incorporated back in 1981, so they've been around the block a time or two. And today, Quaker Boy is still going strong, and I have Ernie coming up right now to share some early season turkey hunting strategies with us. Listen in closely, and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This week, I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me Ernie Calandrelli, and Ernie is with Quaker Boy Game Calls. And Ernie's been around the block once or twice in the turkey woods, so... I'm going to pick his brain a little bit about something that a good many of us are going to come up against here very soon, and that is 
early season turkey hunting. And sometimes it can be really frustrating. Other times it can be really good. And so we're going to talk about a little bit of both of those with Ernie today. So Ernie, how are you and where are you? I'm doing great. I'm in Orchard Park, New York right now. Oh, good deal. And I'm sitting in my office. Fantastic. What's the weather like there today? Actually, today it's pretty balmy. It's pushing 60, but supposed to drop 30 degrees tonight. Get back down and around 30. Yeah, I think you guys are getting that cold front that we've got coming through down here in Alabama as well. So, yeah, we're we're yeah, gonna actually uh, tomorrow. I'm headed to uh, I'm headed to another show, my sixth one of the year in Hershey, Pennsylvania tomorrow. So, oh, nice. Uh, the weather's a little bit better down there, so that'll be good. Even I'll be inside. Yeah, good deal. And forgive my ignorance with the with the geography here. Orchard Park is in upstate New York. Yes, it's in it's in the upper northwest corner, right. It's right below the Canadian. It's ten miles below Buffalo. Okay, okay. So you get a lot of that lake effect snow and that type of thing there. Uh, yeah, sometimes too much of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, being a flat-footed Southern boy, I'll tell you that if you get a half inch of snow, it's too much for us. So we can't take that. Well, well, we've had times where there was seven feet in the parking lot. They oh. take a week off. They couldn't even get it out. So. Holy that was, cow! Uh, last uh, last fall, not last fall, the fall before last. So. Wow! And it came early. It came early. Nobody was ready for it. But that happens. If you live in the Great White North, things like that happen. Yeah, yeah, that's craziness. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting? Well, I got into. I had killed a couple of fall turkeys. I mean, when I was in my early teens, but I, you know just haphazardly during the season, but I, I would happen to bump into one here or there, and and uh, I never really, you know, took off crazy like on it until I had a friend of mine that actually grew up in Pennsylvania, and it was like the mid-70s, mm-hmm. and he's telling me about spring turkey hunting, you know, and I was like one of them guys that yeah, I had my tag every year, but I never went, so finally, actually, we played hockey together. And he says, let's go tomorrow morning. I'll give you a little idea of what it's all about. So we went to my camp, and I had never even heard of wild turkey gobble at that time. Yeah. And uh, we went out behind my camp, and there's three turkeys gobbling in the woods up behind my camp. And I could not believe it. Yeah. Right from that first gobble, it was all over. I was <laughs> and uh, I just turned into a turkey raving maniac after that. Got into calling contests for years and did the whole calling circuit for, uh, you know, over a decade. And and, uh, and actually, it got me to what I'm doing today by getting into that calling circuit and, you know, not being as successful as most, or not most, not being as successful as some, but pretty good, darn good successful at it. I mean, I had a good run and we always had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. So... I have started doing, uh, I say this every week and have been saying it for two years like I've started doing it yesterday. So I should say it this way. I do a little segment on the show. It's called the Rapid Fire Q&A where I will go through and ask the guests on the show 30 questions just about turkey hunting, their preferences about turkey hunting and that type of thing. And I'll go through and ask those questions. And the little twist to it is that I'll put a stopwatch 
on you and time you as we run through these questions just to see how quickly you can answer them and we compare that with the other guests who have been on the show. So if you are interested in doing that, I can get the stopwatch up here. We can run through those 30 questions and see how your time compares with others. It sounds like fun. All right. I like to hear that. And so I'm going to throw another little twist at you. The stopwatch twist is there. But the other twist is no matter what your time is, you will hold the record because I have 30 new questions to ask. And I don't think that it's fair if I give you 30 new questions and put it up against the person who has the fastest time on the 30 old questions because these questions may be shorter or may be longer. And I, I got to be fair with you, Donna. I agree with that. Yeah. So you can I'll tell. Be, I'll be number one for a day. That's right. You can tell everybody you know that you're number one today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me get the stopwatch here and I will start the timer on the first question. And you just run through those as you're comfortable running through them, and we'll get these knocked out. And I'll stop when you answer the final question, and we'll look to see how you did. Okay. How many turkeys did you kill last year? Six. Diaphragm, box, pot and peg, push, pull, tube, or wing bone? Uh, pot call. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Fried. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat with cola or with water? Water. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? No. Have you ever killed a Jake? Yes. 10-minute successful hunt on a 2-year-old or a 4-hour long hunt with a clean miss on a 4-year-old? The 10-minute hunt. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Dinner. State you killed your first turkey in? New York. State you killed your last turkey in? Uh, New York. Sit in a blind for 4 hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for 1 hour and not shoot? Depends on your age. <laughs> Two and three quarter inch, three inch or three and a half inch shells. Three inch, 20 gauge. All right. Four, five, six or blended? Blended. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Field. Pump or automatic? Automatic. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight or beads? Red dot. Rubber boots, leather boots or snake boots? Rubber boots. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Uh, 15. I can't even bro. Least number of turkeys you've killed in a season? One. Out of all the states that you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? Alabama. <laughs> if you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? Cutting. On a scale of one to ten, how good of a turkey caller do you think you are? Oh, any more, probably an eight. Best turkey hunter that you know? Dave Strub. Favorite turkey hunting book? Uh, I can't think of the name, but the one by Cole Strickland. Who taught you to turkey hunt? Myself. Think of the toughest turkey that you've ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? Took 30 days. Wow. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Spurs. Biggest mistake a new turkey hunter makes? Patience. How long does turkey season last in heaven and what is the bag limit? Forever. <laughs> no limit. Okay. That's pretty strong. That's 2 minutes and 49.34 seconds. Uh, so you are the record holder for the rapid fire Q&A for the Turkey Hunter podcast. Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do it again? <laughs> Absolutely. 
You want, uh, to, you want me to give you the old 30 questions and see how you do with those? <laughs> I will. It's up to you. <laughs> uh, well, I some... just don't like the part where who's the best. I mean, I know a few phenomenal. Oh, I know. Yeah. And uh, I just hate to single one of them out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do understand that. And, and the questions do kind of put you on the spot a little bit with that. But, yeah. you know, that's, that's, right. that's that part is, of the game. That's right. That's part of the game. And, you know, it's, it's not calling out any one person. You know, you could you could probably give me a list of five people who were just as good as the one that you named. So that is. And the rest of them, the rest of them that I could have gave you, I guarantee you were all younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how old you are, so I'm not going to comment on that. Okay. <laughs> So we'll, we'll dodge that topic and move on to the next question. How about that? That sounds good. Good deal. So, you know, I mentioned we're going to discuss early season turkey hunting. And having traveled around and hunted a few states, I've experienced that early season turkey hunting means different things in different states and really different years as well. I don't, I don't know about you guys there in upstate new york but i can tell you that here in alabama we may not have an early season phase to our turkey season it might be mid-season when it opens up here in two weeks but when i'm talking about that early season turkey hunting i'm really talking about groups of gobblers who are breaking out of their winter bachelor group and transitioning to where we've got Dominant gobblers who have large groups of hens with them. And then we have subordinate birds who are either tagging along or those satellite type subordinate birds who are looking for love in all the wrong places. So I guess really the first question that I have for you related to all of that is how can we really tell what stage that the turkeys on our hunting property are in when we get out there, whether it's for scouting or with a gun in our hands, are there some any kind of signs that you can think of that would that would help point us to know what phase these birds are in? Well, one of the one of the phases, you know, and again, it varies. Like it varies year to year, and a lot of times, right. but you know, it's the gobbling on the roost. I mean, you know, normally early season turkeys will be gobbling pretty good on a the roost. They hit the ground, they're done. You know, they're all together. Uh, you know, sometimes there's hens and gobblers together in big groups. And once they all get together, they pretty much calm down right then. I mean, they're just getting ready to get with the program. And so in my way of thinking, if they're on the roost, they're gobbling their brains out, and they hit the ground, and they get pretty silent uh, for the rest of the morning, uh, that's showing me that it's pretty early right there. Right. Okay. So what is it that you think makes the early season period so tough for us turkey hunters well one of the one of the things that makes it uh, a little bit tougher is if when the birds do hit the ground and they're not gobbling as much of course it's hard to locate them or find them or actually even know where to set up on them but the other problem is in a lot of cases in the early season you're going to have a lot of sets of eyes and a lot of sets of ears uh you know that you're trying to get in the gun range of you and that maybe will not be all that cranked up as far as uh, breeding goes. It may be another week or it may be another day before they actually flip that switch to where 
when you make a call, he's coming. If he doesn't have a girlfriend with him, he's on his way, which is, of course, the most exciting times on him. There's no doubt about that. But killing a silent turkey, it's it's uh, much harder you know, than a turkey that's gobbling uh, a real lot to your caller. Right. So I've got a lot of listeners to the show who are new turkey hunters. And so for us experienced hunters, this is going to go without saying. But I'm going to ask you the question of, is it safe to assume then that early season, if we hear a turkey gobbling on the roost a lot, when he hits the ground, he's continuing to gobble. Is it safe to assume that that turkey is not with hens? No. I've seen them gobble just as much with hens and without hens. That just means that that, that that turkey's temperature is up and he's ready to go. And that's the turkey that you need to get on and concentrate on. If I hear more than one turkey in the roost gobbling, say I hear five or six from one spot, I'm always going to, I usually try to go to the turkey that's doing the most gobbling because he's the one that seems to be the most fired up or his temperature's up, and uh, he needs a girlfriend, and I want to be his girlfriend. Right. Only for one date, though. Is that right? Well, just a quick date. Yeah, one night stand? <laughs> a one morning stand? A one, one morning stand, and that'll do it. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of different scenarios out there. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of times the older turkeys won't gobble as much as a, as a two-year-old or this or that. And and the one perfect or beautiful thing about spring gobbler hunting is that every morning is opening morning. It's mm-hmm. not like deer season when, you know, the rut's over and this and that. When you go spring turkey hunting, you could do the same thing on this turkey for 10 mornings in a row. And all of a sudden on the 11th morning, you make one call at him and you're wearing him. And the 10 mornings before that, you blew a call at him and he turned and he he put as much distance as he could between you and him. Right. That's what's great about spring gobbler hunting, because you never know what's going to happen on any given morning or evening, for that matter. Right, yeah. Okay, so let's say we encounter that gobbler who is hinned up. We know he's hinned up. We hear the, the hens tree calling early in the morning. They're within 50 to 100 yards of the gobbler who might have sounded off one time in the tree. What are some of the strategies that we can implement in that type of situation that might help us to have some success? Well, if if you if you've been scouting that particular them particular birds and you have a pretty good idea of where they're going, you could try to get between where they are and where you know they're headed to. The other thing to do is what we had success for for many, many years was if you have a loud, boisterous hen in that flock of hens, she's going to be the boss, and now you have to hunt her. Not that you're going to shoot her, but you're going to try to do things to make her angry and get her to come to you, such as cutting. As much as she calls, you call as much, as loud, or louder, or faster than she's calling, and you got to try to get her aggravated. Because what's going to happen is once they hit the ground and come to you, and once they hit the ground, if you can aggravate her enough, she may come over there to try to run you out. And what's that gobbler going to do? He's just going to be following the whole group or following, there's only one hen following right up along behind her. 
because they are a bit territorial, and you know they they go through that pecking order almost every day, if not every day. Right. Yeah, that is, I think, a great strategy. And I've had in the past, I have had situations to where that's come up, and I've called and tried to call that boss hen in, and I've I've been just as sassy as she's been, and maybe a little bit more mean than she's been, and she's, you know, responded back, acted like she was going to get aggravated, and then just walked the other direction and went on. Do you think that there's something that I did in that situation that that sent her the other direction, or do you think that's just turkeys being turkeys? No, I just I think that's just a turkey being a turkey. It's not gonna nothing's gonna work a hundred percent of the time. But if you do it ten times and it works five, that's real darn successful right there. Absolutely. But the key is to get her fired up and I mean you can tell when they come in. When they when they come in and they're cutting loud and hard and fast, you can actually uh see the see the 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 spit flying out of their beak. They're mad. You can see it in their eyes, and they want you out of that area. And, you know, and like I say, of course, you know, that's going to, normally with all that cutting and carrying on going, that gobbler normally is going to be doing quite a bit of gobbling when all that stuff is happening. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. And then if that doesn't work, what is your next approach going to be from there? For a gobbler with hens? Correct. Well, I'm going to, let's say that I scouted real well and, I know uh, a field, you know, that they're frequenting and what direction they're coming into it. And I'll try to be set up in there and try to intercept them uh, coming into that field. And, you know, this is where, you know, sometimes a decoy will come in pretty handy. Because even if they're a little bit out of range, you put a decoy or two out. And, uh, you know, especially if they're not paying all that much attention to you, uh, Mm -hmm. that decoy could end up sucking them right over there and get you a good shot at that job. Okay. Is there anything specific in that decoy setup that you may try? Are you using just hens only or using hen and Jake or a well, strutter? Well, it depends. It depends on, on what has happened. Um, usually I put a, uh, if I'm going to use decoys, I put a Jake and two hens out. Mm-hmm. But the first time that a gobbler spooks off the decoys, the decoys, uh, I put them away for three or four days. It's just for some reason or other, and I truly don't know why, certain times of the year, whatever part of the breeding season they're in, they don't want to come near a, a decoy. Of course, of course, they don't know it's a decoy. They think it's another turkey. And they just, whether they just don't want to have the confrontation or, or what have you, I don't know. Now, gobblers, I understand if there's a lot of jakes in the area, and you've got a jake decoy out, he's scared to get beat up because right. the you know, because, you know, you get five or six jakes that'll come in, you know, if there's that many around there. And, you know, maybe he got beat up before, but it's been many cases. They see that jake decoy, and they're going to figure that, oh, his buddies must be around here, too, so I got to get out of here because they'll gang up on him and kick the daylights out of him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I'm hearing from you, during our conversation is you keep saying the word scouting. So you're telling me that I don't just need to grab my shotgun and run out open in the morning and run into the woods and think that I'm going to kill a bird. I, you're telling me I need to do a little research and pay attention to what the birds are doing and that kind of thing before the season opens. Well, there's no reason <laughs> not to. I mean, you don't, I mean, of course you don't carry a gun or whatever, but, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, you don't have to go into the woods if you've got fields that you can watch from the road. You take right. a ride in the evening or the morning, or especially in the evening, uh, even during the season, because a great way to kill a gobbler is to see a gobbler and hens in the evening and just keep your eye on them and see where they go in to fly up, get there early in the morning, and be set up on them, because in most cases, they're going to come right back out to that field first thing in the morning. And right. you can be ready for them right there. But yeah, yeah scouting is going to help. It's just doing your homework. Now, unfortunately, anymore, I mean, I used to scout like crazy. As soon as the weather started breaking and turkeys were gobbling, I was out there. But, you know, time doesn't allow that anymore because of my job. Right. And uh, in a lot of the states that I go to, I mean, either the morning I get there or the evening before that I get there, I mean, I'm hot the next morning and there's really no scouting to be done because it's impossible to do it. Right. Pre-season yeah. scouting anyway. Yeah. So the other thing that you that you said that I think is really important is that when you're out there, you're paying attention to what's going on on the property. So, you know, if you've got a large flock of jakes, then that's information that you need to know and you need to be able to put in, into the, the turkey hunting memory bank and use that to your benefit. But if nothing else, use that information so that it doesn't hurt you by just by what you were saying, which was if there's a flock of 20 jakes running around, you probably don't want to be using a jake decoy because that gobbler is afraid of those jakes. And so, you know, I think you you really brought up a good point, And I think that that's something that, you know, just to kind of drive that home to people is something that they need to think about before they do something like that and you know it's not it's okay if you run that turkey that gobbler off by using a jake decoy but you need to understand that the jake decoy is what ran that bird off it's not because you blinked when he was 300 yards away or 200 yards away most likely you know most of the time it's a reason like that there's a group of jakes running around and they may not be on your property today but they may have been there yesterday and the the 10 days before that so yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, exactly uh, right. So that's a a good good thing that you brought up. You know, people really need to hunters need to pay attention to that kind of stuff. So, okay, it it ends up being you know the decoys at times can really help you, but there are times when they can really hurt you. I mean, it works both ways. Now, in most cases, if I'm going to be out near a field or what have you, I'm going to throw a couple decoys out there unless. You know, I've been having turkeys spook off them. If I've had turkeys spook off them, then I'm not going to even bother putting them out. Or maybe I'll put one hen out, something that's not too intimidating. Right. But, uh, but you know, like I say, at times, they're really going to help you and make it a lot easier, or they're going to hurt you. So it's 50-50 there, and it's just like uh, your woodsmanship or anything else, you would have to... Uh, you know, you got to be able to read the sign. you got to be able to read the turkeys at that time of the year, depending, again, on where they're at in their breeding. Yeah, very true. So let's go back and talk about that hand-up dominant gobbler, and let's talk about some calling strategies that you're going to use. So you mentioned mimicking that the boss hen in that group and, and trying to get her fired up, but let's say that she just doesn't want to play ball that day. Is there anything that you're going to try to do 
at that point, if if you can't get the boss hen fired up and wanting to come in to fight, that you think may help to get that dominant bird to come in and check you out? Well, if she started at you, I mean, there's there's a hundred different things you could do. I mean, because as long as you're hearing that turkey gobble, I feel you have a you have a chance at him. Whether she's making still making any noise or not, you always have a chance at him. You know, as long as he's still letting you know where he's at, what he's doing. Is he going away from you? Is he going to your right, to your left? What's going on here? Right. And uh, you know, and and then a lot of it too. It just ends up. It ends up where persistence sometimes will pay off. You just, uh, you know, you stay on it, stay on it, stay on it. If that doesn't work, you could try moving on them. Uh, maybe they're not comfortable right where you're at. You could try another, uh, a different area, 100, 200 yards away from there. Uh, get on the other side of them or 90 degree them or what have you. And maybe they feel a little bit comfortable coming that way or coming into you. It's just, that's the thing about turkey hunting they don't have a real big brain i mean some people seem to think they do but they don't and normally about everything they do is just natural instinct mm-hmm. it's what they do naturally they're not thinking they're not thinking there's a hunter over there with a call or or something like that i mean they're doing what comes natural to them and i believe that a lot of that has to do with the time of the year or most of it i believe has to do with the time of the year or again, where they're at in their breeding season. Right. Yeah. But as long as a bird's gobbling, in my opinion, you never give up. You never give up. Now, if you hear him go out of sight and he's on property you can't get to or what have you, fine. You know, I understand that. Go. The, the, probably the best thing to do in that situation is go find another gobbler. And even if he's got hens, that will play with you. Yeah. It's not like it used to be. When we used to hunt, when I first started hunting spring gobblers, when you went out, when you made a call, you were hoping a turkey heard you. Right. I mean, and you may make a number of calls where you were just praying that, you know, that a gobbler's going to hear you. And now that's not the case anymore. I believe, I believe now 90 or 95% of the time you call, a gobbler can hear you. Maybe even 100% in a lot of the places that we hunt. They hear you. They're just not responding. Uh, they got other things going on, and they're doing what comes natural to them. So there are times that you have to do things to try to draw them gobbles out, out of them to get them to give their locations away, which will put you in the game. Right. Yeah. So do you find that you have a decent amount of success late morning, midday, and even in the afternoon in the early season? If, if that normally with me in the early season – I've got to go for, uh, I mean, right off the roof. Okay. If it's early, I think it's early. I believe that your best opportunity is, is as soon as that turkey hits the ground off the roof. Okay. That's my belief. And are you getting as snug and as tight in on that bird on the roost as you can, or even trying to get between him and his hens on the roost? I, if, oh, yeah, if at all possible, absolutely. The only problem with the early season is normally you don't have a lot of foliage. Right. a lot of ground cover so uh and especially now at my, at my weight and i don't go through the woods like i used to uh maybe not quite as graceful as i did 30 years ago but uh i can still sneak in pretty good and get the job done and of course early in the year you want to get as tight as you can that's my belief okay do those open 
early spring woods, do they change how you hunt in early season compared to later in the season when there's more leaves on the trees and that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, because, of course, you can hear a lot better when the, uh, you know, when there's no foliage on, you know, of course, you, you're hearing, God, you can hear forever in a lot of times. But later in the season, when there is a lot of foliage, it's, it is hard. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're hearing maybe cut down by a third or so. Uh, you know, of course, depending on what kind of foliage it is, how late it is in the season, uh, how dense the forest is. So you have to be careful there as far as how close you are getting into that bird, whether he be on the ground or in the roost. Right. Okay. Because it's just sometimes hard to tell how far they are once you get all that ground canopy on or all the canopy in the trees. Right. Yeah. It's a big deal. Okay. So I guess a question that I have that's related to that is, are there areas or certain habitat that we're most likely to find turkeys in early season? And I know a lot of that depends on where we're hunting and what the primary habitat is in that area. But just say, you know, uh, let's go with a forested area, whether it's New York State or Alabama. Is there an area that we would be more likely to find birds in early season than later, late season? Well, you know, a lot of that's going to depend on what kind of a mass crop or whatever they had uh, the fall before, you know, of course, there's a lot of acorns in that. They're going to be in the woods and they're going to be eating acorns or what have you. But once the greenery starts coming up, um, even if it's coming up in the woods, I mean, you know, they're going to eat, you know, eat whatever's green. They they like green stuff, whether it be clover or, or shoots, or I'm sure that they eat leeks and, or, uh, you know, wild onions, anything else like that. And uh, they are going to frequent the spots, but early in the year, uh, before all them foliage is, is up, a lot of times you can, you know, if you're on a scouting mission or what have you, or get to a certain area, you know, and, you know, you look for scratching or what have you, if you see some fresh scratching, then you pretty much know that, that, that them turkeys are probably within hearing, and it would pretty, and they're obviously comfortable with that spot. It'd probably be a pretty good idea that you might want to sit down for a half hour, 45 minutes, and run some calls see what happens okay now when i first started turkey hunting it was all woods they're woods they're woods woods tur- turkeys are woods birds no they're not woods birds not in my opinion they're field birds as soon as they can get to the field they're you know with whatever's out there whether it's breeding or eating they're going to get to the fields they like to get out to the fields where they can see good hear good uh they don't have to worry about you know so many things sneaking up on them or, or what have you and uh, they're just, they're, they're more natural field birds than they are uh, a field or prairie or, you know, that they, they, they actually are wood birds. But, yes, they're in the woods a lot. They're in the swamps a lot. Uh, you know, but they're always going through there again, natural, what they do naturally. And uh, um, and I can guarantee you that their stuff's going to be to eat in there because they are going to eat. Right. So if you can find a food source, whether it be spring or fall, that's going to help you tremendous, tremendously. Okay. All right. So the last question that I have for you is really more of a request than a question. Can you share the story of your last successful turkey hunt that you went on and one or two of the things that happened on that hunt that you feel like made that hunt successful? Yes, I can. I just, <laughs> I, 
I guess think all the way back to last spring as well. I, I have that um, problem myself, so don't feel bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'll. You want to know what made it successful? Yeah. What or, What are the one or two things that happened during that hunt that you feel like turned the tide in your favor compared to being well, in the turkey's favor? There is no doubt that, that uh, my second bird that I killed in New York last year uh, it was definitely patience. I mean, it was in there uh, a half hour before it even started to get light, and I didn't kill a turkey till like uh, 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I sat there a good six hours. And now normally can I do that? I don't have any problems sitting anymore. Uh not like when I was younger. When I was younger, if a turkey gobbled, I mean, I was after him. Snot flying out of my nose, couldn't breathe. <laughs> when I finally get to set up where I want to kill the turkey, I'm breathing so hard I can't even blow a call. Uh-huh. And uh, I are shaking so bad, you know, can't run a, a box call or a slate call till I get my breath. And, you know, I've actually had a guy one time, I dragged him up this big ridge and everything, a turkey's gobbling up there. And he and he made sense to me, and he said, Ernie, he said, I mean, you talk about can't breathe. His glasses are all steamed up. The turkey would have came in. He couldn't have saw him anyway. He said, why do we got to run up the hill? I said, oh, we got to get up here. I mean, turkey's gobbling. He said, he lives here. <laughs> <laughs> and that made so much sense to me. That, you know, it was but anyway, the older, you know, when I was younger, I, yeah, I was a big-time runner and gunner, and that's a great way to kill turkeys. And the good thing about running and gunning is you're not, you, you might not kill everyone that you hear, but you will stack the odds in your favor by finding a lot more turkeys. But now, I mean, I can go sit in the spot, and uh, with, the, with the, the chairs they make now that you can sit, up against a tree. They're so comfortable. I mean, I can doze off, fall asleep. It's just as good as what I'm sleeping at night. But this particular turkey, to get back to the one we were on, uh, actually, my buddy told me he was in there. Another, probably the best turkey hunter I know, Wade Tupper. And he uh, he tells me that this bird's in here. And he actually had a trail camera pictures of him. And uh, because they were, they were actually going out to this gun club, this field. Mm-hmm. And uh, and how I got lucky on this bird was, uh, he said, he said I'd love to take my kid in there to kill him. I said, he said, but we can't move around. He said, there's no way he's going to be able to sit that long. I said, well, I'm in for that. Let's go. And it was hot and nasty out. And uh, we sat and we sat and we sat. We heard a couple of uh, birds gobbling at roost in the morning, but uh, they really didn't want to know anything. And and uh, so we just sat and sat and sat. And at this gun club, the skeet field, we figured the gobbler we wanted was out in the field by the skeet field. But, of course, we couldn't get out there. It was too mm-hmm. open. And uh, finally, guns started going off in the skeet field. These guys started shooting skeet and skeetily. Mm-hmm. And turkey gobbled. Not far from the guns going off in the skeet field. So I called a couple of times. He cut me right off, gobbled right back at me. And pretty soon I looked, here he comes. And we knew it was him because in the middle of a span, he had uh, uh, a lot of white intuitive feathers. Yeah. And actually, I felt that bird because he was pretty unique. So we knew it was him coming in, and he ended up 
uh, he actually had a hen with him, and, you know, the guns pushed him back into the woods where we were at, the skeet shooters, and uh, then she came right to the call. I'm sure partly to get away from the gunshots, uh, but partly to come to the call, too. And she came in, and he followed right up on I shot him at about 10 steps. Well, that was, uh, it was, it was a long morning, but it was, uh, it was a pretty rewarding morning. Yeah. Yeah. And was he gobbling pretty good at daylight? No, I don't okay. know. If, I don't know if he's the bird we heard on the roost or not. I couldn't say it for sure. There was yeah. a few jakes in there that we did see, but, uh, and, and, and it could have been the jakes, but, uh, once he gobbled after the guns started going off, cause I'm sure it shocked him. Uh, then I knew he was there, which of course built my confidence up even more. And within 20 minutes, he was flopping. Yeah. So, and then he he did gobble three, four, five times coming in to the call. So that made yeah. it all worthwhile. But of course, the hen then was stretching out in front of him pretty good. He was starting to lose her, and I'm sure he was a little bit anxious because that hen was so far out in front of him. Right. So, yeah. You know, sometimes it all comes together. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's that's any kind of hunt. A lot of times those midday hunts will, they will happen in a hurry. And so yeah, any of the hunting that I do anymore, if it doesn't happen right off the roost and it doesn't happen right off the roost, like it did 40 years ago or 35 years ago. But I would, I would much prefer that, uh, 10 to two hours, you know, mm-hmm. than the, uh, than the slack period. You know, from a half hour after daylight for the next two hours, normally, uh, you know, they clam up pretty good. And, you know, it's just tough to hear one or yeah. even tougher to do anything with one. I would rather have them a little bit later where they seem to uh, they seem to respond a little better and they seem to come in a little better. Right. Yeah. I like my odds when I'm the only hen in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Which is yeah. which is really never, but if I'm the only talkative hen in the woods and he's by himself, then he thinks I'm the only one there. So that's, that makes me feel a lot better. Well, it's like you mentioned satellite gobblers. I'll take them two-year-olds every day. Absolutely. <laughs> as long as he's gobbling and strutting and coming in, there's a good day right there, even if you don't kill him. But if he's gobbling and coming, that's fine. Yeah. You don't the the... That's the big difference between between uh, trying to kill a good buck and a you know and a good turkey is normally ninety five percent of the time you don't know how good that turkey is until you got them laying on the ground. Right. Or that's not the case with deer hunts. So normally when you walk up to a bird and he's got big long spurs, it's a surprise. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. I've I've killed a few in my day that during the hunt I thought. This bird is going to have 19-inch spurs and a 46-and-a-half-inch beard and has to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 24, 25 years old just because of the way the bird acted. And Absolutely. get up there, and he's got half-inch spurs and a 7-inch beard. <laughs> and I think, Lord, I'm glad I got you out when I did because in two years you were going to be almost unkillable. So <laughs> That happens more often than not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your knowledge with us of chasing birds in the early season. And, you know, I think so many of us get frustrated early season because we are dealing with those birds that are hinned up and they're not gobbling a whole lot most of the time. You know, if we can't find that satellite bird that is just lonely and tearing it up. But 
I think that so many people give up after the first weekend or the second weekend when there's nothing going on and don't get back out in the woods because they didn't have success. And so early season is a frustrating time for a lot of people, but you know, there's hope. And you may not remember the exact conversation that you and I had at the turkey convention in Nashville, but I asked you the one thing that turned your success rate around in the woods and took you from kind of being at that beginner level to where you're consistently killing turkeys year in, year out. And you told me that one thing is persistence. Right. Perseverance. Yeah. Persistence. Yeah. And so I would encourage anybody listening to the show that if you go out early season this year and you're not having a lot of success, whether that's hearing turkeys gobble or getting set up on a bird to even have a hunt and you're not seeing birds in fields and you just can't locate them, do what Ernie said turned his turkey hunting success ratio around and be persistent and get back out there. Don't give up on it. If you give up, I will assure you, you will not kill a turkey. If you give up and you know where that turkey is, call me. I will take care of him for you. Oh, that's awesome. You beat me to that. I didn't even think about that. So, all right. So there you go. If if you do give up, then call Ernie, give him those GPS coordinates, and he'll send you a picture. With that's right. I'll even send you a breast. I'll, I'll send you a turkey breast. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> all of the food without the, without the work. But I do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on and chat with us about that. But before I let you get back to the real work, I guess, because this is still work, but before I let you get back to the real job, tell us a little bit about what's going on at Quaker Boy, what you guys have that's new for this year, and anything else that you want to share with us about company. Well, last year we came out with a series that we call the Elevation Series, and I mean, it's meant to be Elevate Your Game. Mm-hmm. And we've got a series of mouth calls. We've got box calls. We've got uh, push-pull calls. And uh, and they are pretty incredible. And what got me the most on these mouth calls is Dick, years back, he patented this design where he has, it's, it's like a rubber or a foam piece on top of the frame. Mm-hmm. And what it does was it fits about anybody's mouth, but it fits it comfortably. And it gets you to lock that air right where where you're not leaking air around the sides or over the top of the call. Right. It's Of course, it's coming between your tongue and a reed the way it should be. And it's very comfortable. And it also gets that reed off the roof of your mouth a little bit so you have a little bit more clearance. So you can actually put some more tongue pressure on it or whatever you have to do to get it to work for you. But I had people that have never blown a mouth call in their life come up to me actually uh one of them was at the mossy oak camp in texas last year and i had three guys sit down and uh you know they were on this particular hunt and i gave each mouth one of these mouth calls actually i gave them uh sr doubles and i said here put this in your mouth i explained to them what to do they all yelped immediately on the thing and it just blew me away too how quickly they got onto it and how easy the call seemed to run for them but, you know, I mean, we make clear ones, double read, triple read. You know, our standard best call ever 
that Dick introduced, uh, you know, 40 years ago, 38 years ago, was our old boss pen. We have the old boss pen cut. We got a razor, a cutthroat, a boomerang, and our new one for this year is uh, called the Cutter Max, which got, which is, you know, a, a notched out top reed corner, mm-hmm. uh, which is very popular with a lot of the older guys and younger alike, as far as cuts are concerned. Yeah. The thing that I use the most out of this elevation series is the, is, uh, the push-pull. We make two different ones, one in the turkey thug version. It's called the uh, trigger box, but we also, the one that's done up a little bit more, a little bit more, uh, a, a, a few more dollars, but uh, the call's got a lot more work into it, and that's called the trigger figure. Now, in Nashville this year, we were in a day and a half, we were sold out of them. That's wow. how good they sound. That's how easy they work. There's no rods sticking out. All the, the spring is internal. The rods internal. You just stick your finger in a little hole we got in there, and you can work the call. They sound fantastic. The turkeys love them. Okay. I use them all the time. Without the rods sticking out, you can throw them in your pocket, in your vest, walk around with them. They're not going to make any noise on you. And, you know, they have that good quality sound. You know, most people think that them push-pull calls, Oh, it, 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 there's no way it could be any good because it's too easy. Right. You'll never catch me in the woods without one or two of them in my pocket at yeah. all times because there are many times that I've had that call when that's what worked for me when nothing else would. And one other one I want to mention is we call it the Odyssey Box Call, and it has what we named as Tone Blast Technology. It's a box call. It's got like a figure-eight shape on it, actually, but it has holes in the lid that actually let let more that lets more sound out of the box, so it's a little bit louder. Uh, this is a high pitch, scratchy sound of the box call that turkeys love, and the the lid not only or, or the sound not only comes out the sides, it backs right up and comes up through the lid right along with it. Works easy, great quality sound, and uh, any of these calls I just mentioned, you know, people may need to to check them out, especially if you're having trouble with a mouth call or you don't have a lot of confidence in the call, because confidence means more than anything when you're turkey hunting. If you don't have any confidence in your call, it's probably not going to work real well for you. If you have confidence in it and like the way it sounds, it's probably going to work real well for you. So check out the the Trigger Finger or the Odyssey or any of the SR uh, style of mouth calls that we're producing now. Now, don't get me wrong, we still got all the old standby stuff, too, right. which is what we sold mostly in Nashville last weekend. But the new stuff is, is, is worth taking a look at. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that about the push-pull call, and I kind of feel the same way, but I don't, I'm obviously not as involved, involved or in tune with what calls are selling, but I know when I'm hearing people talking about turkey calls, and when I hear stories about people calling in turkeys and killing them, it is rare that I ever hear anybody mention a push-pull call. Is that style call well, a lot kind of, times of going they away? Probably use it and don't want to admit it. Well, that could be. <laughs> and you're you're so right, though. And and that's something that any of the new hunters out there, I would highly encourage you to get a push-pull call because they are extremely simple to work and they make a good one makes some of the most realistic hen sounds in the woods and so you you can't go wrong with that i i just i think they're a foolproof call they're just 
they work great and they kill turkeys and they sure don't take a lot of practice they don't and i think that they're a call that turkeys don't hear a lot sometimes that's all yeah. it takes yeah so a little different yeah but so like i say i use them all the time yeah now if i wanted all to pick up any of those calls give me a couple of stores that i might be able to find them in nationally and give me a website where i can pick them up well you could just about any major sporting goods store uh you know carry our calls and if you have any trouble finding anything that's all you have to do is go to quakerboyhuntersfirstchoice.com okay and you can come on our website and see what we have to offer and even get them off there if that's what you need to do but most major uh, sporting goods stores uh We'll, we'll be stocking our product. Fantastic. Ernie, thank you so much again for taking your time to share with us your knowledge and for telling us a little bit about what Quaker Boys got in the pipeline and as far as new products and that kind of thing is concerned. And I would encourage any of you guys out there that if you learn something from today, then a good way to say thank you to Ernie is pick up some Quaker Boy calls and give them a whirl. I don't think you'll be disappointed with them. They're a good quality call, and most of those calls were designed by a guy that knew a little something about turkey hunting. So he knew what the turkeys liked, and he knew how to kill them. So I don't think you can go Absolutely. wrong with a quicker he was a, He was a good man. Yeah. I remember the days, the one day he told me, he said, Ernie, you're never going to have to, I was a welder for 14 years. And I loved welding, and I still do. But he said, Ernie, you're never going to have to weld another day. That's what he told me, and so far, it's, that's been the case. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again, and I wish you a lot of luck this coming season. When does season come in for you guys here in New York? Oh, it doesn't come in until May 1st, but I'll be in Georgia in a couple of weeks. So Great. I'll start in Georgia this year. Good deal. Well, I wish you a lot of luck, yeah. and I hope that a lot of turkeys, when they know that you're in the woods, they come running in just to say hello to you. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Ernie. Have a great day. Hey, you too. Good talking to you. Good talking to you too. Goodbye. Bye-bye. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Ernie. A topic like this is so hard to cover in such a short period of time as I had with Ernie. There really are so many different scenarios that we could have covered. But I hope that you guys got the same main takeaway from the interview that I did. That takeaway for me was what we talked about really at the end of the interview, and that is be persistent. Stay after the turkeys. And no matter how many times that gobbler whoops up on you, don't give up. Tomorrow morning may be the day that turkey finally gives in to temptation and comes running into your calls. Another way of being persistent and not giving up is a lot of what we talked about last week, and that is to use every trick that you have in your turkey hunting bag. Eventually, one of those tricks is going to work on one of those birds that you're hunting. Okay, so very quickly before I cut you guys loose for the week, I want to cover a couple of reviews. You guys take the time to leave these reviews, and I want to take the time to read them and recognize you for taking time to do this. So, the first review is from my friend Bob Smith in Glenmore, PA, and he signed on as PA Longbeard, 
and Bob says, Five stars, Turkey Hunter Podcast. Andy, all great shows. Keep up the great work. Always something to learn, even from a seasoned hunter. Bob Smith, Quinn Moore, PA. Bob, thank you very much for leaving the review. Thank you for being a friend of the show. Bob always takes time to like the episodes on Twitter and to retweet the tweet that has the episode link in it. And I greatly appreciate that, Bob. And also, it's been great to talk to you a couple of times on the phone and to chat with you by email as well. The next review was left by Will Jocelyn, who is also a friend of the show and I've chatted with several times via email. And he is signed in as W. Jocelyn and left a five-star rating and says, Great podcast. Very in-depth, entertaining pod, full of practical information. Andy is a knowledgeable host with a humorous personality. He genuinely seems to enjoy interacting with listeners almost as much as he enjoys chasing toms. Will, thank you very much for that review. I greatly appreciate that. And yes, you are right. I do enjoy interacting with you guys. It's a lot of fun. There just really is not much that I enjoy more than talking turkeys with you guys. But one of those things that I enjoy more is actually chasing them. So no different than you, I'm sure. Okay, so before I let you go, I need you guys to do me a solid this week. If you picked up a little bit of something from the show today, then if you would take about 30 seconds and actually forward this week's episode to your hunting buddies. You can share it directly through your podcast player app on your device by using the share function within the app. It's real easy and real quick, and it doesn't cost you any money. Now, with your help and what you guys have done as far as spreading the word about the show, we've been able to really grow this show. And last month, we actually had our best month ever as far as downloads go. We topped the 30,000 download mark during the short month of February. And I am extremely excited about that and very thankful for what you guys do to help grow our listener base each month by sharing the great content that Cameron and I try to bring your way each week. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I'm excited to see what the peak months for the show of March and April do as far as the number of downloads as well. Okay. So that's all that I've got for you guys this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.